sets us apart as professionals in the world of social media is how agile we are with data. We use it to make decisions, to improve our platform, and to inform our strategies. In this lecture, we're going to have a quick introduction to analytics, starting with where do we find this data and what does it mean? First, here's what social media analytics isn't. It isn't simply capturing and reporting a half dozen different data points in a monthly dashboard. That's not helpful. Instead, social media analytics should include finding actionable insights. So yes, maybe one post got more likes than another, but why? What made one more engaging than the other so we can do more of what works and less of what doesn't? If we can answer these types of questions for our clients, we'll be successful in our role. We're also going to use data in the future to work on our follower personas. This lecture is foundational to the next several weeks of this course, and possibly, more importantly, it ensures we can provide quality work to our clients. Why does social media matter? Simply, social media provides both intangible and tangible value to both organizations and their followers. For, for organizations, the intangible value might be reputation, trust, or gaining insights into followers and competitors, and tangible value for companies might be increased sales, more leads, or cost reduction in brand awareness. Intangible value for followers is the ease of product comparisons, feeling in the know, and a sense of community. Tangible value might be discounts, promotions, and competitive prices for desired products and services. For both groups, the intangible value can lead to tangible value and vice versa. The work we are going to be doing requires us to put on our researcher hat, meaning we are going to be testing our ideas by making hypotheses and comparing variables. It also is important to note that just because something can be measured doesn't mean that it should be. We should always eliminate vanity metrics from our reporting documents. Vanity metrics are simply numbers that don't add value to your strategy or give you insights into your followers. Before we get started, we need to know the difference between primary and secondary research because social media analytics often carries a bit of both. So primary research means it is data you've collected directly rather than what you've collected by previously done research. Secondary research means you're using already existing analysis. So the best example of this would be like a, a white paper published by a reputable source. There's also formal and informal research. Formal studies uh, are properly designed, which means they have sufficient sample sizes and they're potentially using random sampling strategies. Informal research is the most common form of social media research which might be looking at polls, reading white papers, and or examining the data on your own platform. First, let's start with the different locations of social media analytics. The most obvious place you're gonna find social media analytics is through owned social media analytics or gathered from social media platforms where you are active. So this might be through your Facebook business manager, Twitter analytics, or social media managers like Hootsuite that cultivates the information. Either way, typically only you, or in this case, your client, own access to these insights and no one but you or your client, the people who have been granted access, have the ability to see them. 
You can also do competitive research. You can collect data about your competitors. For example, if you work for a local bank, you might do some light social lurking to learn more about what other banks or credit unions in your region are doing on social media. Obviously, you don't have to access their account analytics except what is public facing. So this requires a lot of footwork to gain meaningful insights. Then you have social listening, which includes monitoring social media channels for mentions of your brand, your competitors, products, or industry terms that are important or relevant to your client. Then we have surveys. They could be posted to your pages as polls to potentially gain follower insights, or you could look at surveys posted on other platforms. Then you have focus groups. They are sometimes helpful if, if possible to learn more about your followers and what it is they're trying to achieve by following your brand and others, or what it is they find most engaging on social media. And finally, we have third-party research. This is when you find and use research conducted by outside entities. Large social media management platforms will often publish some of their own studies. It might help to look at resource sections or blog sections of company websites like Sprout Social, Hootsuite, or Later. Sometimes there are companies dedicated to this type of work, like the social media lab. Let's start with some basic terms that you need to know. And you heard some of these last week, but we're going to revisit them and add a few more. So the first is reach, the amount of unique accounts who have the potential to see your post. I say potential rather than they definitely saw it because we all scroll past content daily and yet never really see it. Either way, it's a unique user. Impressions are the number of times your content is displayed, meaning if it was displayed in front of someone twice, then you would have two impressions, despite the reach only being one unique account. Engagement is obviously your likes, comments, shares, upvotes, downvotes, reactions, retweets, etc. Conversion is the number of people who see your content and take a specific action, like providing an email address or making a purchase. For example, the other day I saw a social media advertisement for Grove, which is a company that sells products that help people reduce plastic waste. I thought it looked interesting, so I clicked on the link and made my first purchase. I was a conversion for them. Uh, then we have sentiment. It is positive, negative, or neutral comments or engagements with your brand. You could measure the number of reviews on your social media and determine the overall sentiment or the breakdown of sentiment. This metric can be challenging because it can, at times, oversimplify complex human emotion and the intention of a comment or engagement. Return on investment or ROI. Return on investment is how you'd measure whether or not your social media strategy is producing value for your client. This becomes more relevant as you develop advertising strategies. We'll work with a return on investment calculator in class. However, this could be useful, for example, if you were responsible for finding attendees for a big conference. You could create an advertisement with a special discount code and then use that code to determine how many people registered for the event because they saw the advertisement. Key performance indicators or KPIs. For many, this is just another way to say objective. But more accurately, it's a measurable value that demonstrates how effectively you are achieving your objectives. So for example, a key performance indicator could be engagement rate, number of engagements, or something as simple as follows. Then finally, we have the Facebook pixel. We will talk about this a lot more in the advertising section of this course. 
but simply it is a small piece of code that you add to your website. It allows you to send information from your website to Facebook to better track conversions and target audience for retargeting campaigns. Uh, it, It is important to note that Facebook does own Instagram and WhatsApp. And so in the Facebook Business Manager, you can use the Facebook Pixel to gain better insights for those platforms as well. Now, social media can answer four different types of questions. The first one is descriptive questions. How many followers do we have on Instagram? Or how many people clicked on our bio link and registered for the event? Then we have diagnostic questions. Why has our engagement rate decreased? Or why did we gain more followers this month? And we have predictive questions. How many followers will we have next month? How many people will register for our event if we run three advertisements? And finally, we have prescriptive questions. What types of images should we use to improve the engagement rate? And what initiatives should we take to increase the number of followers we gain this month? Now that we have the basics in place, we're going to look at six different types of analytics, starting with text analytics, which is gathering insights through large sets of textual social media data. These analytics are good for gaining quick insights into sentiment. There are two categories of social media text. There's dynamic text and there's static text. Dynamic text is a real-time user-generated text like tweets, comments, discussions, reviews. This type of text can be deleted frequently. In contrast, static text is updated less frequently, like blogs, emails, reports, news articles, or transcripts. It's important to note that text analytical tools are typically quite costly, and the benefits you receive from them might be minimal. So it can sometimes be hard to make a business case for investing time and money to conduct proper text analytics. Social media text data is raw, so it might take a significant amount of time to organize and to make sense of the text. And finally, we also have to consider multilingual populations in which text analytics can be even more difficult to do well. The life cycle of text mining is this. First, you have to identify the source of the text. So that could be comments on a Facebook page or comments on an Instagram account. And then you have to clean and filter the text using natural language processing, which is where you're deleting all the periods and the commas and even the emojis. And then you do text transformation, which is just turning the words into ones and zeros. And then finally, you can do text mining. So this is where you can use large data sets and apply algorithms like clustering, association, sentiment, and predictive analysis. So there are several types of text analytics. The first type is sentiment analysis, which categorizes content as positive, negative, or neutral. One of the challenges with sentiment analysis is that it uses machine learning to predict or understand human feelings or behavior, and this can be problematic. There are simply a lot of emotions, and sometimes classifications, such as positive, negative, or neutral, don't offer much value and can therefore be a vanity metric. Context matters, so that can add another challenge to effective sentiment analysis. Even with the most sophisticated algorithms, the meaning can be lost because the context is not accurately considered. For example, if you have a post that says, best hamburger ever, and the images is a pitiful looking burger that's not appetizing at all, we might quickly recognize this as sarcasm, but a computer might not. 
Then you have intention mining, which discovers users based on their intentions to buy, sell, quit, or use. So you can determine based on the text they're using what their intentions might be. Then you have trends mining or predictive analytics. You can use past data and real-time data to predict future events and trends. You can use concept mining, extracting ideas or concepts from the text. You can do a, a basic form of concept mining. Um, for example, if if you posted several different types of posts throughout the month and maybe they were inquiring about questions about um what your audience wants more of. Maybe you have like a, a service-based product or or something along those lines. And, and you ask your audience a question multiple times in one month. You can capture all of the things that they responded to in the comments and then use that text to do concept mining. Maybe you use it to build out uh, blogs or webinars or even do uh, product development. And then there's stance detection. And this is where individuals show favorability toward a target, even if the target is not mentioned by the individual. Action analytics is the next type of analytics we're going to look at. And honestly, this is where we're going to spend most of our time in this course. So action analytics are insights of actions taken on social media, such as likes, shares, dislikes, views, clicks, tags, mentions, check-ins, pinnings, endorsements, uploading, downloading, etc. There's just lots of actions people can take on social media. The main challenge with action analytics is that they're easy to measure. There are plenty of them, but they can at times be vanity metrics. Action metrics will likely be where we spend like I said, the bulk of our time in this class, but sometimes they can lack depth and give us shallow understandings of our followers. Next, we have location analytics, which is mapping, visualizing, and mining information from the location of people, aka spatial analytics and geoanalytics. So sources of location data can be postal addresses, GPS-based, IP-based, Bluetooth, or radio frequency identification. Postal addresses might be acquired through purchased mailing list and or like sign up forms when people provide uh, provide you their information. Sometimes GPS data can give businesses an idea of where their users are. Most of us have GPS location data enabled on our mobile devices, especially if we use apps like Google Maps. IP locations are how we track the location of internet users. A tool like a, a VPN or virtual private network can sometimes disguise our user's location, which is why sometimes you might have followers in countries where it doesn't make sense for you to have followers for your brand. Bluetooth location might be enabled if we are using our mobile devices in our cars or connecting to headphones. And then RFID is most often used in product identification and inventory tracking. It's those tags that are removed or disabled from merchandise at checkout. RFID is also becoming more common in payment software systems. Most often, you'll find yourself using location analytics in social media advertising when you are using basic radius targeting for your ad displays. You might also use retargeting with geolocation, which means you might visit a specific location like a Starbucks and later be retargeted with ads. Location analytics can sometimes come from information stored in company databases like mailing lists, and almost all social platforms have geolocation capabilities. 
You can use location data for customer segmentation, advertising alerts, search and rescue. Uh, organizations like the Red Cross can sometimes use geolocation if, if there's like a tornado or something to to help try to locate people who might be um, who might have their cell phone near them and, and be trapped in a house. You can also obviously use it for navigation. Next, we have hyperlink analytics, which is using hyperlinks to measure the effectiveness of social posts or the success of cross-platform promotions. There are two important types of links to understand. Well, technically three, but two specifically right now. So we have inbound links, sometimes called backlinks, and outbound links. Inbound links direct someone toward a website from another website. Let's say a link from, to your client's website from social media. Social media is measured differently for search engine optimization, but they do play a role. Outbound links are links within a website directing viewers to other sources. Let's say a link on your website to your social media platforms. Again, social media is measured differently for SEO, but still remain relevant. Finally, a third type of link is the internal linking, which is whenever you link to another page on your website. So you open up a page on your website Uh, you have hyperlinked text that just takes you to another page on your website. That would be internal linking. Here's how I like to think about links on a website. When you write a paper, you have to cite your sources. Why? Because it gives credibility to your content. Hyperlinking to both internal and external sources that give your people a better understanding of your topic gives your page that same credibility, at least for Google. So the quality of links matters too. For example, a Tulsa World article linking to your client is more valuable than someone's random blog, unless that blog has a large subscriber base. The point is, links are important to you because you can use social media to track its role in your overall marketing strategy. How do you know how many people are landing on a web page from a social media post? Easy you track the URL. Sometimes if you look at a URL, you might see the main URL like mhaok.org forward slash support groups. But then you see a question mark and then a string of random letters and numbers. That would be a tracking code. And you can create unique ones by using a variety of platforms like Bitly. You can also use Google to create UTM codes, which is a snippet of simple code added at the end of the URL, like what we were just talking about. Um, Fun fact, UTM stands for Urchin Traffic Monitor, which comes from the Urchin Tracker, a web analytics software that served as the base for Google Analytics. So using this strategy, you can tell your client that you've posted five posts this month linking to this page on the website and received 120 new people landing on the page by clicking on the link in social media. Next, we have mobile analytics. These are insights from behaviors, actions, and characteristics of mobile visitors to a social media page. It's also important to note here that there are three different types of mobile apps. There are native apps, which are designed to be downloaded onto your phone. Then there are web-based apps, so they feel and act like a native app, but are actually just a mobile-optimized website. And finally, there are hybrid apps, which are web-based apps packaged as a native app. And we can also classify our apps by their purpose. There are transaction-oriented apps like Venmo or Square. There are communication apps like WhatsApp, GroupMe, or Messenger. There are information-oriented apps. And my favorite one, 
I use it pre-pandemic was uh, the Six Flags app that gave users little achievements based on the places they went in the park. Uh, There are also networking apps uh, like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and then entertainment apps like Netflix, Hulu, and finally self-improvement apps like MyFitnessPal or Fitbit. So mobile analytics we might track could be like time spent on an app, total sessions, total users, number of downloads, carriers, and retention rates. Just by the nature of this class, and because we aren't really working with apps, um, we're not going to spend a lot of time with mobile analytics. We might see how many people are accessing our page through a mobile device versus a desktop, which, spoilers, it'll probably be almost everybody through a mobile device um, and a couple through the desktop. But uh, beyond that, we probably won't do much with mobile analytics. There are ways to advertise app downloads on social media if you did have a mobile app. Okay, and the last type of analytics is multimedia analytics, which is assessing value through images, video, audio, animation, and other interactive components. So some image analytics might include label detection, which might be detecting a broad set of categories like structures or animals. We can do explicit content detection, which can help with content moderation. We can do logo detection, which can help brands find images where they might be featured in the foreground or background. We could look for image attributes like dimensions or filters. We can do facial recognition for tagging or identification purposes. And more recently for augmented reality, which are those sort of those fun like dog-eared filters and such. And then we can do web detection, which is the ability to search for similar images on other platforms or websites. So some video analytics might include who's viewing the content, how long are they viewing the content, where are they viewing the content, what type of device are they viewing it from. And then audio statistics might include who's listening to the content, how long are they listening to the content, where are they listening to the content from, and what type of device are they using to listen to the content. So here's where this lecture is going to end. How are we going to use analytics in the class? At this point, you might feel somewhat overwhelmed by the amount of information we just covered. And it might even feel still a bit ambiguous about what you need to use to do your work for class. So to ease your concerns, first, I want you to know that the information in this lecture is to introduce you to the depth at which you can use social media metrics. I was actually just reading a book that was talking about how social media was being used uh, during the pandemic to track social distancing using location analytics and to determine if social distancing was working based on the numbers of cases, as well as using those location analytics to potentially predict the next outbreak. It's also important to know that some of these analytics are more aligned with web analytics rather than social media analytics specifically. But the line between these two is becoming less and less clear. So there could come a day where there isn't much of a reason to differentiate which is why it's important to be introduced to the things like inbound and outbound linking now. But to conclude, I will give you some practical steps we're going to take in class to help our clients. 
First, we're going to be using mostly action analytics to gain insights, which are readily available through each social media platform. You may also have some background analytics available to you through social media management platforms that help you gain insights on, on platforms like Hootsuite or Sprout Social or something like that if you do use it. We are going to use demographics and behavioral insights found on most social platforms to better understand our followers and help build our follower persona. We'll work on this together in one of our class workshops. We might also use some third-party metrics to build our follower persona and gain some more insights. We're going to use action analytics to calculate the top performing and lowest performing post on a platform for a set period of time. That time frame could be last year or even just last quarter. You could also do the top performing and lowest performing post for each platform. We're going to use behavioral and demographic metrics to build an advertising opportunity outline for your client, which will also be completed in an in-class workshop. And finally, we might use some behavioral demographics to build the posting workflow. For example, we might want to know the audience most active hours to help guide them on when we post to the platform. Other places you might begin using data analytics is when you scan reviews for your client to help provide insights using text analytics during our reputation management unit. Or you could conduct text analytics on a month of comments to determine what is what it is people are most likely to say. And then you might use this if you're strategically trying to increase the number of comments on your page. For example, if I found that followers for Mental Health Association Oklahoma are most likely to comment on something like congratulations on success stories, then I might share more success stories to increase the number of comments. Over time, you might start using hyperlink analytics to begin tracking conversions or website visitors from social media platforms. You might use multimedia analytics as you begin to help your client consider other content types for their platform, like video or audio. And finally, you might use location analytics when we start creating those advertising social media campaigns. I'll end with this. The reason we are using SMART goals when we are crafting our objectives for our clients is because we can definitively say if our hypothesis was correct or if we did something good for our client. At the end of the day, you want to say, you pay me, well, you might be doing the work free right now, but in the future, you pay me because I helped you achieve 100 new followers this month, or I increased the average engagement on a post from 20 to 40 in the last six weeks, etc. Metrics are the tools we use to craft our strategy, measure our goals, and improve our platforms. Social media analytics is how we differentiate ourselves as professionals. <laughs>